Let's Head South. And Alan Kurnow covers the West Coast with Westport News. Hi, Alan. Thanks very much for being with us. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Really good, thanks. Let's get into some of what's happening on your turf. Bullo residents have been warned of an astronomical rates increase. I think we spoke to their mayor recently. Has anything been pared back from, what was it, about 31 32%, wasn't it? It was. Um, so that was late last year. By last week at a council workshop, staff were projecting about 21% in the first year of the long-term plan. Uh, and one councillor accused the staff of sort of setting it really high, going public early, and then sort of whittling it down so that it, it makes it seem like a rates rise that is still pretty high is more palatable. Um, Bullamere Jamie Klein says this isn't the case. It's a no-frills budget. There's no convention centre. There's no new football stadium for Westport. Um it's just holding our infrastructure where it is, basically. Um, look, it is and, often a practice, isn't it, of uh, councils. They seem to start with a high number and then come down, but they don't often start at 32%. It, it was a very high number. And really the, the way that they've come down is only by spreading the pain over future years and also more than doubling the council's debt, well, possibly, it has to go out for consultation, but more than doubling the council's debt ceiling to about $60 million with the idea of a sort of an intergenerational approach to the infrastructure upgrades that are needed. When we spoke um, to your mayor, he was talking a lot about the uh, water supplies and compliance issues. And of course, those compliance issues for water quality have gone up and up. Um, and is, is, is this a big part of what's driving this, Ellen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, our council, um, despite some of the bad rap that the Three Waters legislation got, our council submitted in favour of that legislation because it's a high deprivation area, uh, it's got these tiny rural water supplies, and it doesn't aggregate those rates. So the, you know, in, in Waimangaroa, for example, the 170 households connected to a water supply that needs 2.5 million spending on it for a, a, a treatment plant, those households cover that whole cost. So the three waters legislation would have meant that cost was spread over a much larger group of people, over most of the top of the South Island. It would have meant um, more borrowing was possible. And it also would have meant that the decisions were being made uh, by an, a, maybe a more objective group of people, not councillors in a tiny town where um, they're going to be held accountable in the supermarket sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, staying, so, with, um, staying with us, what, what's happening with rubbish collection? Because this is another, um, this is another <laughs> issue, isn't it? The, the standardisation yeah. of recycling and all this stuff coming forward. What, what's happening um, locally with, with the whole issue over your rubbish collection and consultation? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I mean, rubbish, right? It's not the, it's not the sexiest topic. But it was one, when the council put out a proposal late last year, uh, it was one that garnered a bigger response than our flood walls, which were consulted on just after a, a, you know, a devastating flood where about 20% of our houses were red and yellow stickered. So people really care about this. One of the problems with consultation is it's not a referendum, it's not an election, and the people who 
speak loudest are often the people who feel that they'll they'll be disadvantaged. So in this case, uh, the council wanted to switch from uh, user pays rubbish bags, currently $9.10 a pop, uh, to a wheelie bin system paid for through rates. And a lot of local pensioners were really disturbed by that um, proposal because they felt that they didn't use a rubbish bag a week or a, even a rubbish bag a fortnight, and they thought they might be subsidising large families who generated a lot more rubbish or, or subsidising people who didn't make an effort to reduce their rubbish. Uh, so those people really felt that sticking to a user pays system was the fairest way to go. One problem with the consultation was social media. Um, a bit of sort of misunderstanding or misinformation got out there. Um, some people were saying that the cost would be $600 because they'd added on a cost from the council's proposal to a, a rate that people already pay for recycling. So the council went out with this price of $400, but that was for rubbish collection and recycling. And some people started to think it would be $600. By the time the submissions closed, that damage was already done. That sort of that misunderstanding had spread quite widely. So a lot of the submissions were based on, on a much higher cost than what was actually written in the council's proposal. Uh, so that created quite a lot of angst. Uh, a few people questioned whether, whether the consultation was valid at all. And the council stalled on it. So they didn't manage to reach a decision. They'll now have to consult again um, when they go out for a long-term plan consultation. Uh, and a lot of people said, well, why didn't you go out with more than one option in the first place? <laughs> why did you just go out yeah. with one idea, yes or no? Yeah. So it was um, it caused a huge amount of community debate. I haven't seen... Uh, that many people show out for meet for meetings or it's the little um, thing sometimes, Ellen, isn't it? Um, now speaking of debate, what about the public workshops? This has been an issue for councils right around the country. Accusations that too much happens behind closed doors. What's what's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah. So uh, last year, I think the council held two workshops in public. Um, and, and I mean, there were others that maybe the public could have gone to if they had known about, but they they were never advertised. So do you just show up at one o'clock on a Wednesday and see if there's anything happening? Um, and as you know, the chief ombudsman did a, a, um, a sort of an audit into eight different councils. Buller District Council wasn't one of them, but when um, the ombudsman released his report, I think the council looked carefully at itself and thought, yeah, I mean, if he had investigated us, I think he would have found quite a few of the same things. So they decided to hold all workshops in public unless there was a genuine sort of um, privacy reason not to. And uh, that started late last year with the with some LTP stuff. But there was a really interesting one last week and it caused quite a bit of um, debate among councillors. The mayor had proposed um, sort of smoothing out the roles and the pay rates of all the councillors because currently there's quite a bit of difference between like what a committee chair gets and what you know just a councillor at the table gets. Um, under the proposal 
some councillors would get a $5,000 a year pay rise and some would lose between $1,570 and $12,000. So there was quite a bit of debate about that. And it, it, I think some of the councillors were really nervous about that being discussed in public because um, they were sort of ended up defending their roles and how much time they put in and whether they put in more time than other councillors. And um, yeah, oh just, dear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it what was happened messy. in the end? Well, it was a workshop, so councillors can't make decisions in workshops. Um, what will happen now is that um, the mayor will have to go back to the drawing board and come up with a, a suggested council structure and, and pay structure that will um, that will come back to a meeting where the councillors can make decisions. Why have to go and have a look at what the teachers do with their um, management standards and units and, and stuff like this. Um, hey, how is yes. going with rental housing uh, in, in your area? Such a stress uh, in, in various parts of the country. Is it the same in Buller? It is, it is, yeah. Um, there's been, a, I think over quite a few years, there's been a real shortage of housing. The floods didn't help at all, um, and and there were a lot of tradesmen and tradespeople in the in the district for quite a long time um, during the fix up as well. So so there was a real stress on rental housing. I think that will ease now. Uh, Kainga Order is building a fourteen house uh, subdivision just down the road from me, um, and also. We had a lot of uh, prefab houses come in after the flood for people who who had lost their homes to live in, and those houses are sort of now able to come onto the rental market because a lot of people have gone back to their own homes, their rebuilds are finished, so they can come onto the general rental market now. Um, the problem is that that process just takes seems to take a really long time of handing them between government departments and council and making decisions about setting rents and getting tenants in. So there's homes sitting in Westport that have never been lived in, um, that have been ready to go for a year while people are, are desperate for a place to live. So that's been a, a real challenge here, and I think it'll be an ongoing challenge. Um, until those kind of order homes are finished and until there are tenants in, in all of those flood recovery homes. Ellen, thank you very much. Ellen Kuno covers the West Coast. She is with Westport News. It